Welcome to the Beers and Bible Podcast, a podcast that explores God's Word while enjoying the fruits of God's creation. You can find us on Instagram at Beers and Bible underscore, on Facebook by searching Beers and Bible Podcast, and on Twitter at Beers and Bible P1. You can also email us at Beers and Bible Podcast at gmail.com. If you enjoy what you hear on Beers and Bible, please consider leaving a five-star rating and a review on your podcast platform to help us promote this podcast. Billy Currington summed it up well when he said, God is great, beer is good, and people are crazy. So let us join our hosts, Michael and Anthony, for this week's discussion. Welcome to episode number 200. Of the Beers and Bible podcast, I am Michael. And I am Anthony. Did you ever think when we started this, we'd make 200 episodes? I'm going to be honest. I didn't think we'd make it past like 50. <laughs> I thought we'd get bored a long, long time ago. Be like, you know what? That was fun, but we we can't keep doing this. And here we are. It's We made it 400% further than I thought we would. Um. And we have plans to keep going, too. Yeah, I know. It's crazy. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, thank you to everyone who has been a part of uh, our listeners. I don't know how to word that. It's also very late. We got started way <laughs> later than we usually do. Uh, my fault. Um, but so if my brain is scattered, that's what's going on there. Um, but thank you sincerely from the bottom of our hearts um, for Everyone who's listened since episode one through the voice modulation and pseudonyms um, all the way to now, where we have been in this study for a year and a half. And yes, we have. It's it been, has been a it's been a minute. <laughs> yeah, it has. And we've got what three weeks left, maybe three or four yeah, weeks so left. Second Peter tonight. Uh next week will be first, second, and third John. We're going hopefully we're gonna do first, second, and third John in one week. I think we can do um, it. And then we're going to hit Jude and then to kind of do the intro to Revelation. And then we'll, we're going to see if we can tackle all of Revelation text in a, in a week. I don't know if we're going to be able to do that or not. I mean, that would be, that would have to be at like 30,000 feet at the speed of light <laughs> to get it done in one week. We're going to do that one from a spaceship, <laughs> basically. Which, I mean, which fits Revelation. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> If we're Fair. being honest. Fair. So, <laughs> so, but tonight, um, so back at episode 100, uh, we found 100 proof bourbons or whiskey, whatever, mm -hmm. um, and reviewed those. And that actually changed me from, um, ironically enough, a Jack Daniels guy to a George Dickel guy. Mm -hmm. Um, like that is the, that's the whiskey that's in my cabinet almost at all times. Um, nice. solely because of that experience I had at episode 100. So, um, tonight we are doing a similar ish thing, except for we're not, we're not going 200 proof because that would be ridiculous. <laughs> we're, we're not drinking straight rubbing alcohol tonight for the record. <laughs> I mean, I've got some up here. Um, I got some, I got some, and I'm not going to, that's a joke. Um, so tonight, um, we are going to be drinking. We both, Anthony and I found this guy have. We're able to get the same thing. Um, mm -hmm. Jack Daniels has produced a winter Jack um, bourbon uh, spiced apple punch. So it's a blend of apple cider liqueur and 
Jack Daniels whiskey. Um, it's super low on the ABV as far as whiskeys go. It's only 15% ABV, but it's still higher than pretty much anything we've drank. Um, yeah. And it's very, very seasonal, very Christmassy looking on the bottle and stuff. So, but that's what we're drinking tonight. Jack Daniels Distillery in Lynchburg, Tennessee, making their debut on the on That's our right. podcast. That's right. So, um, Michael's going to drink his warm, and I've had mine in the fridge for a couple hours. I'm going to drink mine chilled, and we're going to see. Is it just the just in the straight fridge, like not in the freezer, but just yeah? The, I didn't put it in the freezer. No, okay. it's just it's just like refrigerator cold. So gotcha. It's not like frozen cold. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to drink mine warm because the bottle says to uh, that it's best served warm. Yep. Um. So we're going to see how that goes. And then maybe here in a little bit, I'll get some ice and, and see how it does chilled. So um, no dramatic opening. Uh, have you already opened the at least I, removed the plastic off yours? Okay. I did. I actually I cheated. I opened mine and I smelled it. <laughs> okay. I just <laughs> poured some for my wife. So I have how I have also smelled it. Yeah. Um, so. It smells fantastic. It smells amazing. <laughs> and, and um we have a, a a guy's text group, Anthony and I do, or a couple other guys um that are in and Anthony sent a picture of it and they kind of gave us some crap for it being so low as far as the whiskey goes on ABV. Um but if this thing is delicious, y'all are um y'all have to apologize. So that's right. It's exactly right. So let's let's uh let's pour it up. There's no dramatic opening because it's Jack Daniels is just a twist twist off yeah cap. That is the one thing about Jack Daniels I don't love. Oh man, that thing smells so good. Um, yeah, it does. That's the one thing about Jack Daniels I don't love is that it's a twist off. Um, some of the others have like that have a cork or just something else unique. Like Tin Cup is a cork. Buffalo Trace yeah. is a cork. Some of those, some of that, that smells really, really good. So this, I'll, I'll be like, this smells like, um, angry orchard with mm -hmm. Jack Daniels in it. It's, it's, it really does. It almost smells like fruit punch to me. Yeah. Like really get your nose in it. It smells like fruit punch. Oh man. Yeah, it does. I'm going to have a problem. Um, <laughs> This is going to be too good. <laughs> it's going to be really, really good. All right. Well, well, let's drink it and see how it tastes. Cheers. Cheers. Oh, that could mess you up. That's for, for Jack Daniels. That is. That's smooth for Jack Daniels. And like like I said, Jack Daniels is not not typically my favorite. That's really, really nice. Jack Daniels does have that like like regular Jack has that um really harsh bite. Yeah. You know? <clears throat> this is mm. something about the the apple flavor, I think, kind of offsets, which I don't know if you've ever had um crown apple mm -mm. before, but if you ever pick up crown apple mix it with sprite and thank me later because that is like jolly ranchers in a cup okay and it is fantastic it's one of my favorite things which also sidebar a friend of mine introduced me i'd never had it before it's new but it's the salted caramel crown 
Okay. And you're going to, you're going to be like, Anthony, uh, you're pushing it. You're pushing your limits here. Salted caramel crown and Dr. Pepper. Okay. I can see, I can see all that. Uh, Salted caramel stuff. um, My wife loves, so she would probably really Mm. enjoy that. Um, I like it too. It's just not good Lord. I'm already hoarse and I don't know why. (laughs) haven't talked that much like i've barely <laughs> talked today um it's the whiskey or the cider i guess this is technically they call it spice apple, apple punch. punch is what they call it and so. so it 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 does have a very standard apple like hard apple cider mixed with whiskey yeah which I guess is what it is because it is apple cider liqueur that's in it, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. That's what um, it says. Apple cider liqueur, winter spices, and Jack Daniels old number seven. I'm not going back to Jack, but this is uh It's it's pretty good. I think I want to try to figure out how to make a drink out of this. Like, like a mixed I, drink. I, like a mixed drink out of this. I mean, it would be weak, um, but I bet it would be like, I bet it would be a good, just little sipper drink. I bet if you mixed it with, with a couple of other um, spirits, you you could probably get it. Yeah. A little stronger too. I'm betting fireball would be good mixed with this. Um, Yeah. I'm betting something like a amaretto would probably be good with this. Um, trying to figure out what else and a lot of people who are listening to this like don't really care uh, about <laughs> about any of this probably um i bet you can mix a lot of stuff with this um yeah so here's one like i bet this right here would be good so two ounces of jack daniels winter jack tennessee cider one mm-hmm. one ounce of caramel sauce four ounces of half and half okay Garnish and cinnamon sticks with grated nutmeg on top of it. I bet that's delicious. I, you, you were just as you were talking. I I just thought like, what about making like a white Russian with it? Yes, a little Kahlua and dude. Um, um I bet half and half rum chata. Rum chata. Ooh. Oh. <laughs> oh. I, I mean, be good. All right. So before we're going to, we will go down that tr- road a long way if we don't stop right now. Um, True story. So let's, let's rate this. Um, we'll use our normal scale our our one to five Luther scale. Yep. Um, I'm interested to see where you rate it. So why don't you go ahead and go first? Okay. Not that it's so, going to, not that it's going to impact my rating. I'm just curious yeah. what, how you're going to rate it. So, I like it. Um, the fact that it's weak to me is it's kind of like ah, bad gum it. Um, because I, I mean, I like just putting whiskey in things, even if it's flavored whiskey. Um, I like just putting whiskey in in drinks, and so just getting that good, strong, you know, mm-hmm. cocktail. Yeah. But the flavor of this thing is really good. The and, and it's not like they're to to be fair, they're not saying this is whiskey. So I don't right. think it's fair to compare it to just a straight up whiskey. Right. They um have mixed whiskey with something else and that's made right. something else. They they've basically have made a bottled cocktail. Yes, that's exactly what and that's that's what I was gonna say. Like this is in and of itself, it's almost like a cocktail. Um and so 
just, I mean, just for what it is, what they say it's supposed to be, flavor. I think the flavor is just right. I think the smoothness is just right. They got the the mixture of all the other spices that kind of offsets that Jack Daniels burn that mm-hmm. you're used to. Um, really good in my book. I would say I'm gonna I'm gonna give it four and a half Luthers. Okay. I'm gonna give it four and a half. It's it's not quite a five for me, but I could definitely see this this uh you pour it up and you're like, man, this 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 whole bottle would be gone and you wouldn't even realize it. Right. Yeah. You know, just sipping on it for a long period of time. And mm-hmm. so it's good. I like it. Four and yeah. a half Luthers for me. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. Um my wife is coming up to get a refill. Um, <laughs> she gives it five liters. <laughs> she does. Um, so I'm going to be in the same boat. I think that the flavor is perfect. Do you want more? I think the flavor is perfect. I think that the um, like the smoothness is really, really nice. The flavors are like they marry each other very, very well. Um, and but I'm also with you. I wish it had a little stronger of a whiskey burn. Yeah. Um, little stronger whiskey flavor. Um, now knowing that it was only 15% ABV and Jack in, uh, like Jack Daniels number seven is usually like, I think it's 40, 40% yeah. or 40 proof. Maybe it's 40 proof. So this is considerably weaker. Um, yeah. I'm well, going to give it Jack Daniels is 80 proof. So it's 40%. 40%. That's what it is. Yeah, I'm sorry. Um, I saw a 40 on the number sevens in the store today, and I was like, I knew that was played a factor in it somehow. But um, I'm also going to give it four and a half Luthers. It's very, very good. I could see this being used really well as a, in a mixer, um, mm-hmm. mixed with other things. Um, I'll also like this whole bottle could be gone quicker than you would ever imagine. <laughs> It really um, like I could see it disappearing faster than you think it would. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm gonna give it four and a half Luthers as well. There it's just I wish it had just a little bit more of a whiskey profile. Yeah. As opposed to just a punch or a cocktail profile, which right, like like you said, this doesn't advertise as whiskey, it doesn't advertise as anything other than what it is. So yeah. it, it meets that criteria, but I just wish it had more of a overall whiskey. Like, it's almost like I missed the whiskey burn. Yeah. You know? So. Yep. Um, so I wish I had a little more of that. But all in all, great, great drink. Um, go find it somewhere. I really enjoy it um, warm. Like, room temp. Mm-hmm. It, room temp <clears throat> is not bad. Um, so I'm here's the one probably, that I found. I'm probably going to put some ice in it here in a minute just to see. But. Warm's not bad. There you go. I found this, and that this is what made me think um, warm or cold. I just went. I got some ice out, and I was like, I'm just gonna put it on the rocks and see how it does on the rock. It's. I actually like it cold. Okay. Um, but I'm a fan. I, like I'm a fan of cold drinks. Like I don't. Oh yeah. Unless I'm drinking coffee. Like right. I just don't like hot drinks. Well, but m- like most of the time when I make a drink, if I make whiskey or something, it's on. It's on ice. It's on like, the rocks. Like, yeah. 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 So this right here is it's called uh winter apple jack tea. I mean it's basically apple tea and winter jack. So they just pushed all the words together in some some form. But you do it says brew a cup of apple tea and they use it says they use celestial seasonings cinnamon apple tea for their deal. 
a pack of stevia or sweetener, whichever one you want to use. Um, one shot, I would probably use two shots of winter jack and then garnish it with an apple slice and a cinnamon stick. And then you heat that up. So they're saying heat that up and, and serve it warm. I bet that would be like a, just a, like a, a hot toddy or something like that. Like that's what oh, I, that, I bet I, that'd be fantastic. Yeah. So there's a couple of ideas you could uh, you could use to make something out of uh, winter jack if you want to. Mm-hmm. Dude, this stuff has been coming out since 2014. This was posted in 2014. I have never seen this before. I haven't either. So first time I've ever seen, and and I like I saw an advertisement before. I was like, oh, that's new. Right <laughs> now, now to be fair, I don't usually look for wintry anything in the package store. Yeah, but and I wasn't really looking for this either. It just kind of kind of happened. So, um, is what it is. Yeah. So, Winter Jack from Jack Daniels getting four and a half out of five Luthers from both Anthony and me tonight. Um, seriously, if you like wintry things, if you like apple cider, if you like hard apple cider. Go find this. I think you would really enjoy it. Um, yeah, it, it's it's surprising how I, I I'm a little surprised as at as to how much I like this. Yeah, me too. So, so there's our review for episode number two hundred. We're gonna take a short break, and on the other, uh, sorry, on the other side of that break, um, we are going to dive in and get through the book of Second Peter tonight. So stick around. We'll be right back in just a sec. We are back with this week's episode. Um, during that break, um, my wife texted me and said that Fireball added to Winterjack makes it a little bit makes makes it better. Um, so I've done that, put it on rocks. It's still four and a half Luthers. It didn't jump it up to a five, but it tastes like a Christmas tree. So um, if you go to the store to get Winterjack, maybe go get. Some fireball also. Just saying. So uh tonight we're gonna get into Second Peter. Uh we're gonna go through the book of Second Peter tonight. And um, you know, we we did first Peter last week. This is gonna be a um this is a farewell speech uh from Peter. Um he's urging the readers to I jump right in. I'm sorry. I didn't really. There was no segue there at all. Um, but Peter is gonna Fireball encourage- Second Peter, go! <laughs> gosh okay Uh, so farewell speech from peter he's going to encourage the readers to persevere in growth in spite of the false teachers that are around them so yeah um remember first especially early first century there was a lot of um who are the who are the false teachers who are the who are teaching the true gospel Mm -hmm. and the false teachers were um not purposefully infiltrating but that some of their teachings were getting into the church and a lot of the new testament addresses 
all that was going on with that. Yeah. So this is another, so another, there's going to be more of that in this letter. Um, this was allegedly written by Peter, but there's some, uh, doubt as to that as there has been with a lot of the of the letters here um the was written this letter was written roughly in 64 AD if peter wrote it if another if somebody else wrote it then it was probably later than that um yeah the audience is uncertain um but this could be the it could be the same a group of dispersed believers that Peter wrote to in first Peter. So um, it's kind of remember there's, it's um, there's not going to be a specific, not for a specific group, like some of the other letters in the new Testament Mm -hmm. are written to specific churches, but um, Peter, I'm going to say Peter, because that's whose name is on the book. Um, But Peter is right. Saying here are, general truths that can apply to all believers and it's not just you in rome or you in ephesus or you in corinth or whatever um again written in light of false teachers to encourage godly living in opposition to the false teachers so um peter is basically going to encourage the reader here um to stay the course to run the race I know that's not his language, but um, he he's going to encourage them to stay true to the gospel and not let the false teachers persuade them otherwise. Yeah. Um, and then there's going to be really three main emphasis here in Second Peter um, that um, God's people would grow in godliness and then and thus exhibit it through their lives. So they grow in godliness, and then there's a manifestation of that in how they live their lives. Um, that the false teachers will get their just judgment for their wrong teaching and ungodly living. Um, and then the final emphasis is going to be that there, there is certainty of Jesus's coming in spite of what the false teachers are saying. So yeah. um, I think, I feel like we've talked about it before, but there's, <clears throat> you know, even in the first century, there was like, okay, well, is Jesus coming back? Like, like, as mm-hmm. like, is he really going to come back? Like he said, he did. And false teachers were teaching that maybe he wasn't and all that. And now, and here Peter is saying, it's certain he's coming back no matter what they say. We just have to be ready for it. So, right. Um, so there's kind of our orienting data for second Peter. Um, I know that was kind of quick, but, um, it's, uh, there's a lot of the same kind of stuff going on from first Peter with some different emphasis basically. So yeah. Um, why don't you take us through the advice for how we can read second Peter? Sure. So one thing, I mean, one thing to remember that you just kind of touched on is that, that, I mean, I, I believe that Peter wrote this book and, and I think um, the tone is there, even though the topics are, are slightly different, even, I mean, there's a lot of overlapping topics, but the tone I think between first Peter and second Peter um, lends itself to say that Peter actually wrote this book. And so that's why, you know, yeah, we might move through this a little bit quicker, but that's because we're basically kind of regurgitating some of the things that we ta- already talked about last week. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, so some advice for reading First Peter. Number one, uh, pick up on these, uh, what you talked about in the emphasis is going to fall into these kind of like two central themes. 
um, which is the false teachers and the denial of the second coming. Um, you know, it's in the it'll help date this. There, there's a whole lot of eschatological views that that try to pin the second coming to a certain time, and then there's full predators, partial predators, um, all kinds of stuff. But it's it's going to be crucial to say to say that I think it's uh, I think it's. Hang on, let me rephrase that. It's going to be key to understand that. Jesus has not returned at this point. And so no matter what your eschatological view is, I think that pushes the date earlier, uh, p- potentially earlier than 64. I know the, the book mentioned 64. I think it's, I mean, it's, if, if I say earlier, I mean like maybe a year, um, a year or two earlier. Um, because at the time in the, in the context of what's happening in society, you've got the, the Nero, the burning of Rome, um, you've got all of that happening. And that's when a lot of this persecution um, came down on Christians. And that's also when a lot of the false teachers mm-hmm. kind of rose up and were like, hey, this shouldn't be happening. You know, we're supposed to be victors and, and conquering. And, and uh, you know, Jesus is Jesus may have already returned. And, and so it just leads itself to these these weird thought patterns that that end you up in heretical teachings. Mm-hmm. Um, and so so notice those two kind of central themes and how they're going to play into the way Peter talks to his audience here. Um, he's going to use a lot of imagery that is very vivid, sometimes paints a picture that you might not want to have in your head when he, specifically when he's talking about false teachers, he talks about a dog returning to its vomit. And he talks about a washed sow, which if you don't know what a sow is, it's a pig, um, you know, a clean pig returning back to the mud. And so he uses this imagery to paint <clears throat> a picture of what these false teachers are doing to the gospel. Okay. Um, you know, a dog returning to me, you're, you're literally going back to old things. You're, you know, you're, <clears throat> you're getting into places where you shouldn't be um, a, a washed pig returning back to the mud. It's the same kind of image there. And so, so Peter is trying to show them that, hey, what these people are doing is is actually anti-gospel. It's against what the gospel teaches us. Mm. And so we don't need to pay attention to them. And if we have the opportunity in right living to refute them, we need to take that opportunity as well. Mm-hmm. And so so the second coming is is really gonna be kind of like the ultimate thing that Peter points to. And, and we have to understand that the second coming is when ultimate judgment happens. Um, and, and that's going to be framed in, in the book of second Peter. Mm-hmm. So pick up on that. And then it kind of the biggest thing that you're going to, that you're going to see here is Peter's going to contrast the reliability of God's word, which is that God said, I am coming back against the unreliability of the false teachers who are trying to say, Oh, he's either already come back or he's not going to. You know, they're they're trying to get this this uh, both sides of the fence thing where where it makes them look like they're right. Mm. Um, you know, it's it's like the I always think of the old adage: "Heads I win, tails you lose." Um, you know, when you say it fast, you're like, "Okay, yeah, sure, heads. Okay, heads I win. Let's go again. Okay, tails, tails you lose. Okay, so let's you know, <laughs> and it's 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 saying the same thing just in different ways, and right. so. 
So look for a lot of that as you as you read through the book of Second Peter because it's a short book. But also remember, I, I would encourage you to go back and read First Peter along with Second Peter together because it gives you that larger perspective of the false teachers mm-hmm. and the second coming. There's even the second coming that we talked about in First Peter as well. And so um, Peter is really going to be pushing them towards mostly he's going to be saying. You've got to live the right way. You've got to live according to what uh, the the scripture tells us to do and what the apostles teaching has told us to do. And, and the church has begun to establish itself. And so Peter's going to push them into that. So um, that's a little bit of advice. Let's take a, let's take a few minutes to walk through this, this short three chapter book and, and see if we can't uh, land the plane here. Oh, we're going to land it hopefully on <laughs> wheels. Um, so, uh, we're going to get an intro and um, Peter's going to state his themes here. So he's going to introduce himself as the author. He's going to emphasize the importance of faith, virtue, and godliness. Um, we've kind of touched on all this already. Um, he's going to encourage believers to pursue a life of moral excellence and mm-hmm. remind them of the divine promises that enable them to participate in the divine nature. So, um you know, as believers, we are called to live differently. We are called to live um, maybe kind of uh, counter, it, like live in a counterintuitive way to the culture around us, countercultural. Mm-hmm. We live counterculturally. Uh, we have a different moral compass than the world does. Um, and then also we have been promised um, – you know, we have these divine promises from God's word that allow us to take part in what's going on in in the spiritual side of things, if that makes sense. Um, and so Peter's going to encourage the readers to do all of that. Um, and then he's going to remind them that godly living is empowered by the spirit and should be on display in the Christian life um, because, you know, godliness is intentional like you have to be um not trying for this not trying to be godly so that god approves of you but it doesn't just happen because you it doesn't happen um without any effort on your part um yeah you're if you are filled with the spirit that's gonna be um that's gonna overflow into how you live your life so yeah, godly living is um empowered by the spirit. And and honestly, as believers, we should look different. We should yeah. um our the way we live our lives should look different from those that don't follow Jesus that we interact with every day. Mm-hmm. Um and not like a weird different, just different. Yeah. So um that gets us through part of chapter one here. And then the rest of chapter one, Peter's going to give this last testament. Um, and he's going to reflect on his personal experience as an eyewitness of Christ's uh, transfiguration. Mm-hmm. Um, he's going to underscore the reliability of the prophetic word and continue to be warning against false teachers who distort the scriptures. Yeah. And we talked about that already where, Anthony, you were saying these false teachers were saying that Christ has either already come or will never come. Um, and so 
what with that mean what what the, what they're saying with that is that he has already come and did not reveal himself the way he said he would. Yeah. Or he's never going to come like he said he would. And so Jesus didn't hold his word. That's what yeah. they're saying here. And that's that's where the distortion of scripture is coming from there. Um which is ridiculous. I I don't I like very much. <laughs> and, and what's what's crazy to me and, and I guess I I know I have said this in, in the last 200 episodes. I know I've said this. Like these are guys who saw Jesus like Peter witnessed Jesus I'm assuming what's Peter's time frame? Like, did he see, was he a disciple or was he like a, yeah, I mean, he's one of the 12. Okay. Um, I, 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 I can never remember who's one of the 12. Yeah. So, he's, I mean, he's, he's Cephas. Uh, he's the guy okay. that Jesus said, Hey, uh, Peter on this rock, I'm going to build my church. And he's talking about Peter. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. Okay. I gotcha. Okay. I can never remember. I'm sorry. Um. So, so Peter, and and those around see Jesus do all these things, right? They yeah. see they see, thousands of people have seen Jesus perform miracles, and thousands of people have been touched by and healed by Jesus, and all these things. And then, like thirty years after his crucifixion, you have these false teachers saying, "Yep, he didn't. He's either already come back or he's never coming back. He's not really who he said he was." Blah 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 blah. It's like. They saw it with their own eyes who he was. Yeah. You would think that that the the church as a whole wouldn't let these false teachers have that kind of sway, have that kind of pull. But then also we're no different at all. You know, we we forget the promises of God all the time and we forget that um you know, God will never, he's, he will never leave you or forsake you. We, we feel alone at, at times, or we feel like, oh, well, God's not going to provide for me in this situation, even though he's provided for you in every situation <laughs> up until that point, like he's always provided a way. And so I guess we're not any different. It just feels like, you know, you have people in the churches at that time yeah, who may, they may not have seen it with their own eyes, but they knew somebody who saw it with their own eyes. And could hear the stories and know and know those stories very well. And yet you have these false teachers coming in claiming Jesus wasn't who he said he was, or yeah. what or you know, because if Jesus doesn't hold up his end of the, doesn't hold up his word, then he's not God. Yep. That's essentially what they're saying here. And so I think it's crazy to think that false teachers had any pull but also like not surprising that they had pull if that makes sense because yeah. how 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 quickly do we would do any of us forget what god has yeah. done for us well i mean at, at risk of of potentially going way off the rails i'll give you i'll give you a modern day example okay um about 65 70 years ago uh there was this war that we fought and mm -hmm. uh, it was called World War II. And we fought that against this group of people called the Nazis. About um, 80 years ago. Yeah, 40, 41 to 45. Oh, yeah, it was, man. 
my math is bad tonight. You were real <laughs> off, but that's okay. There's grace for that. Um, and we fought this group of people uh, called the Nazis, and the Nazis had basically made it their mission statement to destroy a group of people called the Jews or Israel. Um, coming out of World War II, we established uh, the United Nations and we declared uh, through the United Nations, like the United States did do it, the world declared um, that Israel was to going was going to have a land and they were going to be a state and it was going to be a Jewish state. And uh, the world rejoiced and, and it was glad to have rid the world of Nazis uh, because Nazis were a murderous, genocidal people. Um, not all Germans are Nazis and, and not all Nazis are Germans. So, I'll, you know, I'll keep that what it is. <clears throat> but we thought that, you know, we had handled that problem and it was gone. And lo and behold, the, the events just 80 some odd years later, uh, we find ourselves basically fighting the same fight just against a different sect of mm -hmm. people. Um, you know, we're dealing with a group of people who want to say that this group of people doesn't deserve to live on the earth. Not, not that like they shouldn't have a land or that they, you know, this group of people doesn't deserve to live on the earth. They need to be exterminated from the earth. And, and somehow we think that this group of people, or I'll take it back. There is a group of the population that thinks that this group of people who thinks, you know, we should exterminate, we should get rid of this other group of people is an okay thought like that. They, they think that's okay. And, and I'm, I'm specifically not naming names because, because I don't, I don't want it to be about that, but I want you to see the point that we've already fought this this mindset 80 years ago as a world. And now, 80 years later, we're basically having the same conversation. Right. It's like we didn't know what we did 80 years ago because we're afraid to look back at our history. Mm -hmm. You know, that's usually what happens when you end up with this type of false teaching coming on the scene is people have just chosen to ignore a certain part of history that says this is the way that it's going to be. Yeah. You know, so that's my thoughts on that. Yeah. That's a good thought. <laughs> um, and then Peter's going to wrap up. He's going to, he's basically highlighting in this section here um, that scripture has, is our final authority. Um, yeah. And that believers need to, um, they need to, know and they need to need God's word. They need to be in his word. They need mm -hmm. to heed it. They need to um understand it. They need to um hide it in their heart. They need to have it at the ready at all times for mm -hmm. any situations they could ever come and come across. Um and for and for me personally, this is like the hardest part of the of uh, the Christian faith is getting into God's word. And because there's a lot of times where you just don't know where to start. Like, I don't know where yeah. to start. I don't know. Like, sometimes I'll be like, I, you know, I have a reading plan or whatever, but you miss a couple of days and you're like, Oh, I don't know if I need to go back and catch up or if I just need to stay on the day <laughs> I'm at and just those days try again next year like like i don't know um that's just personally for me and 
it's something I've been reflecting on a lot the last couple of weeks, actually, because it's something that's come up in a in our small group. But it's like, I know I need to spend time in God's word because that's where my authority is. That's where my yeah. uh, roadmap for living is. That's where, um, like, life instruction is. That that's I I know that, and. Also, I just lack the discipline to do it. Like, like, per, like, I'm, I'm being de- like, I'm 100% vulnerable right now. Uh, I lack the discipline to do that consistently. Um, and so I don't know what I need to do to change. I don't know how I go about that, but that's just like personally where I'm at. Yeah. Well, I mean, talking about it and, and that's, that's how we grow. You know, I, yeah. it's one of the things I'll, I'll tell you, I, I have been in your boat before mm-hmm. and, and thanks be to God that I, I, you know, several years ago, I, I decided to go back to seminary and, and, uh, seminary kind of forced me to build a discipline into my life that I didn't necessarily want to do. And, and so, you know, it, it kind of forced me to get into a habit of reading a lot more. And, and so because of that, I've, I've naturally, I think I may have told this story before, but I I just, I had to get up early in the morning to be able to get my schoolwork done and still spend time with my family and take care of the things that I had to do at my work, um, at my job. And so, you know, it just, it lent itself to, to, I'm just going to have to commit to doing this because I've, paid money um it's amazing what you can motivate yourself to do when you have to pay money to people (laughs) right (laughs) um and so i just said you know what i've got to commit to this and so i'm going to get up early in the morning and since that time I, i started seminary back in 2016 and since that time it's been easier for me to get up and and a lot of people think i'm crazy i get up at four o'clock in the morning my alarm actually goes off at 345, but it takes me 15 minutes to get out of bed. So I am, I'm still like everybody else. <laughs> um, but I, you know, I get up at four o'clock in the morning. I come in here. Um, I've got one of those cool coffee makers that'll make the coffee before I get up. Um, and I pour a cup of coffee and I come in here and I sit down at my desk and I, and I just start my reading. And, and it's what I've done since I started seminary and I've just, I told myself when I graduated, I was like, I'm just going to keep doing this because it works and it keeps me in a consistent pattern. And it's, it's almost like my own internal accountability. Mm -hmm. Um, and so it's, it's given me an avenue to where I can continue to read. And, and, you know, um, I'll say this, I, I, this is not to point a finger at me and say, Oh, look at the things that I did. But, one year I was tired of doing reading plans. Like you were just talking about reading plans and then you get behind and, and you, you're like, man, I don't know what to do now. And and so you kind of feel like this lost thing. So one year I just said, you know what, forget it. I'm just going to start and I'm going to commit to read scripture for 20 minutes, 20 minutes a day, every day. It's going to be the first thing I do when I get up. And, and luckily I have the, the Bible on audiobook, And so what I did is I would just say, okay, I'm at one hour. I'm going to read till a minimum of one hour and 40 minutes, you know, and I would, I would pick a chapter where I could stop or something like that. And it would mm-hmm. be close, but you know, it's like 20 minutes a day. And so I started doing that 20 minutes a day. And you think, well, 20 minutes isn't, isn't that much, man. I was so surprised because I read 
the Bible cover to cover. Started on January 1st, read the Bible cover to cover before the end of March. Mm. Just reading 20 minutes a day. And so... And that's you not know, studying, that's just like reading. No, it's just reading. And and that's the whole point. Like, like people talk about like you should study and, and yes, you should do those things. But man, most important, like just read, just mm-hmm. read it, read it over and over and over again. Um, all the people that I've said that do reading plans that I've talked about to do reading plans, they tell you don't take notes. Don't, you know, just read it and, uh, and just l- let it wash over you. You know, there's, there's not a, there doesn't have to be a super spiritual background or backdrop to everything. Every time you open the scripture, you don't have to be like, God, I need the heavens to open and the audible voice of God to come down and say, I am pleased with you, my son. You know, we, you don't have to have that. Right. Um, and so once you, once you kind of just get in that rhythm and, and it was funny because that year I was expecting, you know, it's like 20 minutes a day. Oh, I'll probably finish the Bible in seven or eight months, you know? And I finished it by the first of April, and I was like, well, "Shoot, what am I going to do now?" <laughs> and so I was like, "Well, this worked. I'm just going to start over." Right. And so I did it again. <laughs> and and that year, I I read more of the Bible that year than I have any other year that I've done this this like elaborate reading plans with you. Not you and I did it that one the whole like ten chapter thing, and yeah, that and, sucked. Uh, that yeah, was terrible, but that's, that's, that's the one I'm doing I- this year. That was a bad idea. <laughs> that's the one I'm doing this year. Um, and I'm, I I'm gonna, once I finish that it, was, I was like, it was just daunting. And that's one of those. Uh, if you miss a day, you you may as well just throw in the towel. Yeah, like that's one. That's one of those. It's hard. It, it's very difficult. It's, it's a hard reading plan because the the reality is, if you do that reading plan when you get done you've read parts of the Bible through as many as 12 times um, right. because you read Proverbs once a month. You read the book of Acts once a month. Um, you read the Psalms through twice. Uh, you read the Gospels through three times. Yeah. You read the epistles through like four times. And I mean, there's just like, it's it's a very, very intense reading plan. And so, so but, but you know, like, to encourage you and, and even our listeners, you know, maybe you're you're on the same boat. Like it doesn't have to be you sit down and you have this amazing epiphany every time you get up and read about man. I get up and I read the at four o'clock in the morning. And right now I'm going through like Second Chronicles and I'm like, this is awful. This is so boring. <laughs> you know, you're like, I don't care about this stuff that they're talking about. Right. But you, you know, the point you just kind of you keep making it through it, and and you just keep reading it, and then keep pushing, and and eventually you see that man, the stories and chronicles are what tie in the stories to kings, and those factor across the entire uh, old Old Testament prophets, and and mm-hmm. you see how these things parallel to each other because the word of God is living and active, yeah, and and it is our authority, and it's what believers should use constantly, mm-hmm. um, but the only way we can use it is to just make a commitment to be in the word, not like getting deep truths and, and understanding the depths of theology every single day. Just pick it up and read it for 15 or 20 minutes. Yeah. And see what that gets you. That's an encouragement. Yeah. So little diatribe and sorry about that. We got, we got <laughs> vulnerable for a minute, but that's okay. Um, so we've made it through second Peter one. Um, <laughs> 
So, Anthony, why don't you take us through the rest of Second Peter, and we'll see what we can uh, we can find out here. Sure. So, Paul, uh, Paul, Peter is going to indict the false teachers. Um, coming into chapter two here, he's going to issue a strong warning to his readers about the rise of false teachers and he's and how they introduce uh, destructive heresies and they need to be avoided. Um, and so he's going to, he's going to alert his readers to that. And, and basically think of, think of the, the law in the courts, you know, you have an indictment, then you have a trial and a prosecution. Basically Peter just lays it all out right there and says, Hey, these guys are bad. So, um, he's going to describe the consequences of their actions. Uh, and he's going to contrast their actions and their fate with the righteous judgment of God. And so, you know, and, and this is another one of those interesting points where we think that we have to be the one to correct like every misstep of somebody else. Mm. And, and I think Peter is telling them here, like, Hey, you know, you hold true, you hold fast to the truth and you make sure you understand what the truth is. And if you need to call out somebody, call out somebody, but like, don't let it be your, your whole makeup. Because there's going to come a day when they're going to stand in judgment. And what you said to them isn't going to matter because they're going to be standing there and it's going to be what the God of heaven says to them. Mm -hmm. And that is infinitely worse than what you could ever say to them. Right. <laughs> so, you know, just know your role in the in the pecking order here. It's, uh, that's the way I think of it, at Stay least. Stay in your lane. <laughs> Stay in your lane. There you go. Um and so the to kind of close out this section, which is pretty much all of chapter two that we're talking about here, the indictment of the false teachers, um, he's going to emphasize the importance of discernment, which is exactly what we just talked about, um, the danger of straying away from the true teachings of Christ uh, and following the false teachers versus knowing where you need to be. Um, you know, I, I think we, we kind of glossed over it a little bit, but one of the main uh, themes that you pick up, especially for apologetics guys, is First Peter, First Peter three fifteen, uh, which is be prepared to give a defense. Um, basically, you know, stand up for the gospel. Be be prepared at all times to to talk and converse with people about the gospel. Um, this is kind of reiterated right here at the end of chapter two because he's saying, you know, know know your stuff, know what you're talking about. And know, be able to understand the difference between the dangerous stuff that they're talking about and what scripture and the apostles have taught you to this point. And so, you know, because at this point, we didn't have the New Testament. They couldn't just go pick up the book of Romans and just be like, oh, flip to Romans. And, you know, it, it was it was all still forming at this point hmm. uh, in, in history, in, in the time space history. So, um, and then we move on to chapter three. The first part of chapter three, we're going to talk about the nature of what false teaching is, which is a in, in this context, he's going to uh, attribute it to the denial of the Lord's coming. Um, so Peter talks about skepticism surrounding the promise of Christ's return and the coming day of the Lord. He reminds his uh, his readers or the believers that faithfulness and uh, the faithfulness of God in fulfilling His promises. And then he's going to warn about the judgment that's coming because, um, you know, you're going to be judged whether whether you're a, a believer or not a believer, you're mm -hmm. judged. The the only difference is going to be for believers, you're covered in the righteousness of Christ. And so you get to, you know, you get to move on to eternal glory, whereas those who are not believers will not have that. And so their judgment will be eternal damnation. And so, you know, 
everybody's going to go through judgment. And and Peter makes sure to make that point that everybody's going to go through judgment. The the question is, will you be able to claim the blood of Christ as your righteousness uh, mm-hmm. or not? Um, and so this section here is gonna is going to encourage believers to live in an anticipation of the future events and 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 in that anticipation to strive and live for holiness. You know, think back to uh, to again to First Peter and we get the the instruction or the encouragement to be holy as uh god is holy and that draws from the old testament uh the book of leviticus where uh god commands his people to be holy as i am holy mm-hmm. um and so so he's going to continue to build on that theme of be holy because i am holy and and obviously the holy one that we're talking about here is god and our example is is the the works of christ um that we can follow and, and strive after. So mm. that's the first half of chapter three. The last half of chapter three, Peter's going to wrap it up. Um, he's going to exhort believers to live again. He's he's hammering down on this live holy and godly lives um, because the imminent return of Christ is coming. And, and, of, and at that imminent return of Christ, there is coming judgment as well. And it's going to be judgment one way or judgment the other way. Mm. Um, it, it, your, your faith will be, the deciding factor of that. And so uh, he's going to emphasize the need for diligence, steadfastness, and for spiritual growth. Now, this is like, I think this is an interesting point right here. And it's a good place to kind of bring this plane down because what we've talked about over the last few weeks with the book of James, uh, the book of First Peter, the book of Second Peter, um, all of these books are pointing to how you live a godly life in spite of the world around you. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um and and James he he phrases it as your your faith without works is dead. Um, if you're if you are not actively pursuing the things of God, then your faith is not an active faith, and therefore it is a dead faith, and you don't have it. Um, and then First Peter he's going to say uh, he's going to point towards uh, the struggles that we have and and the persecution that we have as believers, and he's going to say through all of this you should have a faith that that leads you into godly living despite the circumstances that are around you, despite the trials and the tribulations that you're going to go through and the suffering that you're going to go through. This is what you are called to be as a believer in Christ. And he's kind of building more on, and I don't, I mean, I don't think it was like Peter got James's book out and he's like, all right, I'm going to add on to James here. But I do think it's a little providential the way that these flow out um, in, in the context of scripture. When you read James and then first Peter and second Peter, um, they all kind of flow into this, Trials are coming. This is how you should be living. This is how you should be reflecting Christ into the world around you and and the and the type of people that you should be living as. Um, and so uh, he's going to emphasize all of those things: diligence, steadfastness, and spiritual growth. And then he's going to conclude with just this this final kind of beckoning call, this beacon call um, to remain faithful to Christ and to continue to grow in the knowledge of God. And mm-hmm. and in, and again, that just comes down to reading scripture uh digesting it getting it into your brain on on a on a consistent basis so that you can say no this is the way i should be living this is what scripture teaches and you can recognize when there are those false teachers and and you can rebuke them if if need be or you can respond to them as need be um but the point is that you are living according to what scripture has called uh believers in christ to live as and so that's how Peter wraps up this whole thing. Um, and unless you have anything else to add, 
I'm just going to say, will you pray for us? I don't have anything to add, and I would love to pray. So, um, God, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for your word. Um, we thank you for the book of Second Peter. And, God, we thank you for the truths that we have discussed tonight. God, we thank you for um, how uh, you've laid out how we should um, handle uh, false teachers. We thank you for um, the encouragement to spend time in your word, God. And I just pray that you help us, help me, help Anthony to spend time in your word each day. Um, give us the the yearning and the desire to, to do that and the discipline to follow through. Um, God, we know that your word is um, is living and breathing and um, is full of truth and um, is full of, of just everything we could need for life. God, we thank you um, for that. Um, we know that it's um, it just lays out your character and, and, and who you are and, and how you work and how you want to work through us and in us, God. And we just pray that you... Um, help us to uh, want to and actually spend time in your word. So, um, God, thank you for this time tonight where we've been able to get together and talk about your word and talk about you, talk about uh, who you are. And I just pray that you were honored and glorified in our discussion tonight. Um, and we look forward to next week where we get to come back together and, um, and do this all again. So uh, we love you. Uh, Jesus, we thank you for your great love for us, and we pray all this in your name. Amen. Amen. Anthony, if our listeners want to find us on social medias and email and such, where would they do that? You can do that by going to Instagram at beers and Bible underscore, Twitter or X at beers and Bible P1. Uh, you can find us on Facebook by searching beers and Bible podcast. And then you can email us at beers and Bible podcast at gmail.com. Uh, spell it all out. And we would love to hear your recommendations. Did you try the Jack Daniels winter, Jack? Did you like it? Um, did you not like it? Let us know because we love to hear from you. I like it. I think it. that's it. I liked I li it too. I liked it. I really liked it on ice with fireball. So, so you like I was about to ask you if you liked it better cold or or warm. I think I liked it better cold. I think I did too. Well, I, I haven't tried it warm yet, so we're going to find out. You should try it warm. Warm was not bad, and I don't typically drink stuff warm, but that's yeah. neither here nor there. Until next week, we hope that your beers stay cold. And your Bible stays open. And we'll see y'all on the flippity flip. Flippity flip. Peace out. <laughs>